Welcome to the best podcast available, Training Camp Edition. Here are your hosts, Jason Gibbs, Andrew Gribble, and Nick Shook. And we welcome you back into Berea, home of the Cleveland Browns, and today, home to day 11 of Training Camp as the Browns work their way towards Thursday night's game with the Washington Redskins preseason game number one. I'm Jason Gibbs. He's Nick Shook. He's Andrew Gribble. Day number 11, we dodged the rain at the very end. The first time uh, all camp we had a threat and got through it. And a spirited practice, some good moments, some moments where they kind of went into a little bit of a lull. Kind of had a nice little ending, though, at the very end, Nick Shook. Very up and down practice. Uh, there, there were moments where Freddie Kitchens, again, created some adversity. Completely went off script at one point and just threw in this period where they had the ball on their own one and had to get out from the shadow of their own goalposts. Uh, spoiler alert, they didn't get out. So, you know, that's a down point of it, but there were also uh, some positives. They had a good red zone period right before that. They moved the ball well early. Late kind of did well, and, and Greg Joseph closed with a uh, 44-yard field goal. So some good, some bad. But we avoided the ugly, which is the storm. So overall, not bad. See, I thought there was a, a good play in that one-yard line situation, and that was made by Jermaine Whitehead. I mean, he, I think the, the 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 athleticism he showed to basically just pluck a pass out of the air from Baker Mayfield right at the line of scrimmage and just trot into the end zone. I, I you you watched Baker after that play. He, it was hard for him to even get mad about that. Like he was, just, he kind of just shook his head and was just like, wow can't believe that happened like that was an impressive play that just happened so fast they're just like wow this guy's got some real talent to make that kind of play at the line of scrimmage so I I liked that but yeah I, I agree that if, if you have to get huddled a couple times during practice by Freddie it's not going the way he wants it to go but uh, I thought it was for, for stretches there it was a really good practice if you're into passing the ball inside the 20 yard line they were getting a lot of stuff done a lot of touchdowns which we're not, we weren't used to seeing around here a few years ago. Yeah, extremely efficient. Uh, guys grabbing passes that you wouldn't even expect to catch passes. Um, Ish Hyman over the middle caught a pass. Uh, Farrell Brown a touchdown pass and handed it to John Dorsey, who was standing in the back of the end zone as he trotted by. Uh, Odell Beckham had a nice uh, little route on the outside to catch a pass inside the pylon. Uh, you saw a lot of guys making plays like that. It was, it was, I think, one of the most successful offensive periods that they've had, I think, in all of camp. I mean, almost every pass is completed for a touchdown, so good to see. Going back to that Whitehead play, I, it felt like he jumped about four feet off of the ground. Yeah. And it and it hit him almost at the waist. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's how high up he was. Got it in the air, able to come down with it, and, and walked into the end zone. It's perfectly timed, and it was a great it play was. for a guy who, I mean, at this point we have to say we're in day 11. He's never worked a single snap with anyone but the first-team defense. Yeah, like, he just he, I think that's safe to say he's a starter on this team. Yeah, yeah. I, I would agree with that. You know, he did a good job of almost baiting Baker into that interception because, you know, he kind of read the fake, slid in with the defense, but then floated right back out and was in perfect position to make the play. But you also have to have the athleticism to leap up and catch that pass successfully and not drop it, and he did a good job of that. Yeah, we'll talk to passing game coordinator and secondary coach Joe Witt coming up in just a few minutes. And he had fantastic praise for Whitehead and said everything that he's gotten he's earned from the time he stepped foot in here in the offseason in OTAs in minicamp and all the way through training camp when we all thought 
maybe you know is this just a weekend is this a, is this a guy that's temporarily holding down I've written, a job I've written plenty of stories about some spring all-stars that don't usually pan out in the season but this one looks like it, it's at least going to make it to September as a starter on this team yeah and it's a pretty impressive job by him to say the least going back to the offense uh, we talked about uh, a few of the big touchdowns in the red zone Odell had a monster day put on a little bit of a clinic with some of his uh, receptions. Antonio Callaway has put together a few nice days here this week as well. Yeah, and that those kind of plays were happening at one point in camp today when I was talking with Jim Donovan, and he, he kind of looks at me and goes, you know, when this offense, like, really shows itself, like, they're going to be hard to stop. And those are the moments when you're like, yeah. I mean, when they are – moving the ball like that in practice and really kind of showing you the full arsenal, like that's when you get excited. And we've really gone through the majority of camp, actually, if not all of it, without the two best pass catchers out of the backfield with Duke Johnson and Kareem Hunt. Like they really haven't even been out there. Kareem Hunt's been working back in, but we haven't seen him much in team drills. So you don't even have the full arsenal out there yet. And there's just those moments where it kind of flashes and, and you realize that this could be a really dynamic team. And, there were stretches today where we kind of saw this offense at its best so far. And even then, like, you know, without the guys like Duke Johnson and Kareem Hunt, it's afforded the opportunity for Nick Chubb to get a lot of reps as a pass catching back, and he's shown that he can do that. I know we've we've discussed that before, but it seems that every day he just keeps improving in that regard to where you're taking him almost as much of a threat to catch the ball out of the backfield as you are as a traditional running back between the tackles, and he's just he's solid all around. So then you think about those additions as well. And frankly, as soon as Odell Beckham lines up, you're already a more dangerous team because he's on the field and also because you have to pay so much attention to him that I don't even care who the other guys are. It could be Jarvis next to him, and that makes you even more dangerous, or it could be Derek Willies, and it could be Jalen Strong. They're still going to find their opportunities because Odell is on the field. And if you're really going to try and balance it out, then you're probably going to lose the matchup to Odell. So it's, it's, a, it's a scary combination for opposing defenses that I can't wait to see uh, be unleashed on them come really the preseason and the regular season. Another thing that you had mentioned yesterday, Gribbs, that we saw a lot more of today, and we continue to see more more and more as we go is the is the deep ball coming out yeah Baker's throwing some pretty pretty dimes down the field yeah it seemed like there was a period there where it seemed like they were almost exclusively working yeah like there was a lot thrown by Baker but a lot thrown by the other quarterbacks too uh with some mixed success but yeah I mean Baker's arm looks really good I think we had the first couple (laughs) days yeah I mean we we had we had a couple days early in camp where we're like what's going on here like yeah. he was the was, was, the timing was a little off he was, it seemed like he was a little everything was getting overthrown a little bit well whatever that was uh they've worked it out and it, most of his passes are where they need to be and and are the kind of passes that you need to see uh, that you saw last year that made this offense so good and the thing that i keep hearing from uh, i've been talking to a lot of these national reporters that drop in it seems like every single one of them uh, they're taken aback by how fast he's getting the ball out. That's the that's the thing that keeps getting brought up over and over again. I think we're numb to it. We see it yeah. a lot, and but that's the thing that's really standing out to those people who are just dropping in for a day or two, is that what he's doing and the quickness in which he's getting it out is unique uh, to the rest of the NFL. It's funny you say that because I think we are numb to it since he's the guy we see throw the ball, and then it also makes the other quarterbacks in the roster who are good quarterbacks. Um, it, they pale in comparison to him just because he's got such a unique uh, delivery of the football. But it, uh, NFL Network 
producer, field producer, uh, Jason Hartelius, has been in town since last week. So they came last week, then they stuck around for the Hall of Fame and everything there this weekend in Canton, and then they came back up for more practice this week. So he's seen a lot of this in the last week, and he turned to me yesterday and just said, I might sound a, lo- a little off base, or maybe it's just I'm in the moment, but the ball just looks different coming out of his hand, and it, and it's it's a, it's special. Like it's something that's rare. You don't see it, and and it kind of takes you. You know, you're taken aback when you see it happen. I was like, I totally agree. And then he, of course, moments later, he throws that touchdown pass to Derek Willies, and well, you know, it, it explains itself right there in front of you. So it's uh, it's exciting because you know, as we all know. This is a team that hasn't had a, a really reliable quarterback in a long time, and, and he's a special one. Can I get a right guard update? Let's start with that. Yeah, so uh, Eric Cush got another start today with the ones. Um, it, it doesn't come – none of these have come in, in, a, complete, in a complete vacuum. Uh, Saturday he was with the ones, but it was more of a rotational thing with it being the scrimmage. Yesterday he was with the ones, but it would have been his day if you don't, didn't count in Saturday. But today should have been Austin Corbett's day if we were going with the traditional rotation. It was not. Uh, Kyle Kalis, this is the wrinkle, he left during individual, and uh, Austin Corbett was forced to play second and third team center, so that might have had a little something to do with it. But after practice, when Freddie was asked about it, it was pretty straight up that, no, I think Cush is in the lead if we have to declare someone who's in the lead. They like him. They like what they've seen from him both in this camp and uh, in prior seasons, both in Chicago and Kansas City and his preseason with the Rams that one year. Uh, and that's why they brought him here. Dorsey's a big fan of him. Cush is a big fan of Dorsey. I think it's a good pairing so far, and I think it's paying off. He's played pretty well so far. I think he's earned, at least to this point, the shot to be with the ones. Should we be concerned, Gribble, about Denzel Ward? Uh, I mean, if you're trying to win the game Thursday, maybe, but I, I'm not worried about it long term. Okay. Especially because I watched you watched the rest of practice after the the Hyman deep ball where that was his last play of practice. He didn't go anywhere. He was on the sidelines the whole time. Uh, was with the military after today's practice for a good half an hour. If it was something serious, uh, he wouldn't have been on the sidelines or doing all that stuff today. So I think it's just a you know a tweak here or there. This happens with something DBs all the times. Uh, does it? Do I think he might not play Thursday? I'm sure that's a good possibility. I'm sure that's a good possibility with a lot of players on this team. Uh, so if you want, if if you wanted to beat the Redskins, that might be one less player that's going to be out there. But long term, I think you're fine. I think it's interesting, uh, and my big question in my mind is how many guys are actually not going to play on Thursday night because the list is pretty big of the guys that aren't practicing, didn't practice yesterday and didn't practice today. That was going to be my point is if you look at the amount of guys who are just in jerseys and shorts right now, I mean, what what do you gain? You gain a little bit of in-game reps and you get to hit somebody who's not wearing the same color helmet and everything else from a preseason game, but otherwise you don't gain that much. What's the point of putting these guys out there? Um, so I don't I, know. Joe Thomas said yesterday I'd play him a quarter. You yeah, play the starters yeah. quarter. But I could also see them just not playing them at all. If, the, if there's any type of injury that you could see being exacerbated by something that could happen in a game, you do not play him. So I, I think we're going to see a decent amount of starters not playing tomorrow. Well, Thursday night. Yeah, I mean, we didn't even get a hard confirmation that Baker's playing or Odell. Correct. I mean, and I think the last time Odell's played in the preseason was here when he got injured. And the uh, rest of his year was messed up because of right. that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, I mean, it's just one of those things where – I, I almost think you view next week's practices as a game itself uh, before the game. So I almost view maybe the second preseason game as maybe the more likely time you see some of these guys out there. And, and some of the, maybe some of these guys were going to play, but they're just banged up and they're not, they're not going to do it because of that. And then when you 
especially on, on a Baker perspective, I know the offensive line is really healthy, but say you were banged up a little bit down the offensive line, you're not putting your franchise quarterback out there. So it's like a chain reaction. So, I mean, it'll, it'll be interesting to see who actually does play. Maybe someone like a Christian Kirksey goes out and plays because he hasn't played in half a year sure. since midway through last season. Maybe he's someone that you want to get out there, get moving, uh, and then just some other spot starters. But otherwise, this might be a game for you to start really evaluating what do you have in Garrett Gilbert? Is he going to be your third-string quarterback? Just a lot of other small, smaller areas that aren't as important to fans but are still important to constructing a 53-man roster. All right, before we put today to bed, anybody that stood out to you defensively not named Whitehead? I mean, Mac Wilson. I mean, he just keeps making plays. Just a little bit. Yeah, he just keeps getting interceptions. I mean, I don't I don't want my linebacker to lead the team in interceptions, but I think he does during training camp. He's making a lot of plays and getting noticed. And I think that for a linebacker especially, you got to start standing out if you're on a team that's using two linebackers the majority of the time like the Browns are. So I think you're at least seeing from Mac Wilson the potential athleticism that made him a perceived higher draft pick. Now it's just going to be a matter of how good is he on special teams, how consistent can he be, and he's someone that you're going to see a lot of in these preseason games. I sound like a broken record, but it's it's got to be Terrence Mitchell again. I mean, he just continues to play really tight coverage. He's, he's just he's playing very very well. He drew a flag today on what I thought was a bad call, fast interference. It was like right in front of me, so I asked the official after I said, "Hey, was he early?" And he said, "Yeah, he was early." And I, no, it was pretty close. Yeah. I think it's one of those plays where in, in a real game it's probably bang bang, and they they let it go as a PBU, and then and then we'll you look at the it. replay. Yeah, now we can review it. By the way, we got to test that at the Hall of Fame game the other night. Uh, very strange. I don't know how I'm going to adjust to that. But Terrence has had a good string of practices. I mean, he's playing like a guy who's very motivated, and and I expect him to be, be motivated, and I expect him to continue to succeed. Uh, especially when he gets to go against Odell Beckham on a daily basis because that's only going to make him better. I mean, based on what we've seen at practice so far, I feel like if you had a game tomorrow that you're playing all your best players, I would imagine he's going to be starting somewhere. Yeah, he's got to be. And he's definitely on the field on second and third down, sure. without yeah. a doubt. I think it's interesting. Last week, Taki Taki making all the news and making some plays and turning some heads. And this week, Mac Wilson, uh, two guys that I definitely think we'll be excited to see and we'll get a lot of playing time on Thursday night. That's what happened on day number 11 of Cleveland Browns training camp. Right now, our interview of the day, and it's with pass game coordinator and secondary coach Joe Witt. Uh, a lot about the secondary, a lot about our safeties, our DBs, Greedy Williams, Denzel Ward, the defense as a whole from, from a guy that has seen a lot, what he likes so far and what this team still needs to work on. Have a listen. What have you seen that you've liked through 11 days, and what have you seen that you need to see a little bit more from when it comes to the secondary? What, I, what I've liked is the level of physicality that the men are playing with, um, that, the, the, the effort that they're playing with, those things fit with our DNA. And, um, you know, what I like to see more of is consistency. You know, we can't have a good day three days in a row and then come back and have a day like we had today where we're making um, mental mistakes, which I have to make sure I, I take care of because if they don't know what to do, that is on me. Um, uh, and we can't give up vertical throws. And, you know, when they get in the red, red, red zone, we got to make them kick field goals. And so we weren't good enough today, but uh, we've had some really, really good days and we have to have consistency every day. We can't be up and down. Uh, the defensive back position, Greedy Williams, uh, obviously the Browns' highest draft pick. What have you seen from him? And, uh, you know, he's definitely flashed in def in certain moments, but looked like a rookie in others. Yeah, you know, and he is a rookie. And so, but he, the kid can bend. He can, 
he can press, he can play off, he understands zones better than you would think a young player, you know, would. Um, but at the same time, you know, we have to make sure we're consistent again. You know, every play matters. We can't take plays off. They're going to throw the ball. Baker has a live arm. So, you know, some guys, some quarterbacks that, that, that Greedy saw in college that couldn't push the ball down the field, well, Baker can get the ball down the field, and, and these receivers can stretch the field. So um, he, he's, he's learning, you know, and, and he has to understand that, hey, the play is never over and hold vertical control when we're in those situations. Has the going up against this offense every day made you guys a, a lot better in terms of what you're probably going to see during the season and maybe not to the same level that you're seeing every day right now in practice? I think we, I think both sides have made each other better. I think we're making the offense better, and I think the offense is making us better. Uh, we have a really tremendous defensive line. We have, a good, we have a good football team, so it's good on good. I mean, it's not one side is not better than the other. Um, if you've been out of practice every day and you watch, you've seen equal competition, and, and, and that's what it's all about, us giving, getting them some days and them getting us some days. That defensive line you talked about, uh, getting a nice push up front, how important is that for, for you guys on the back end? You know, uh, pass defense is, is a marriage between rush and coverage. Uh, we tell the guys on the back end if we can get them to hold the ball a, a tick, you know, with all, with those rushes we have up front, they're going to move the quarterback, and we have to be in conjunction with that. And so it's not just about the cover guys; it's not just about the rush guys. We have to all work together and be on the same page, and that's what they've done. You know, we we understand that Miles and Ov and those guys up front can move the quarterback. They're hard to um, block. We don't have to send extra rushers. We can rush four and get there. And so that means all we have to do on the back end is is, is, is play to our front and, and go get the ball. Break on balls. They're going to be tips. They're going to be overthrows because of the pressure. And now we got to make sure when we have opportunities to turn the ball over and get the ball in the end zone, we must do that. We can't have the ball hit our hands and not come up with the big play. Denzel Ward, year one to year two, uh, and the players you've coached and the players you've seen, what's the biggest challenge for, for Denzel Ward going from year one to year two? To not um, be satisfied with, with, with being a, a really good player when you have the ability to be a great special player. Uh, he's a really good player right now, but he, he can be as good as he want to be. He can be great, and um, we have to take that next step, you know, uh, making one Pro Bowl. There's a bunch of guys make one Pro Bowl. You know, how can we uh, get it to where we are, you know, the you know consistent corner that we can match, we can put on anybody, and we don't have to worry about uh, that guy when we put him on there. And he has the skill set to do it. He's a willing kid. He's a great kid. And so um, I'm looking forward to him developing into that, uh, you know, year in and year out. Who have you seen in that room that has stepped up and maybe taken, starting to take that leadership role? You've got some veterans like T.J. Carey and Money Mitch. Uh, you, you've got a few other guys in that room as well. It's a pretty deep room. Who have you seen that's kind of stepped up in that leadership role? I mean, you, you said T.J. He's, he's, he's a vocal leader in there. Um, Whitehead is probably the, the leader of the, the safety group, him and Morgan. Of the corner group, you know, um, it's probably TJ, but you know they're all one, and um, you know with those with those three vets, you know, um, Whitehead and TJ and, and and Morgan, they they do a nice job of leading the way. How big uh, an influence has Morgan been since he's arrived here? Well, he's a guy that has a lot of playoff experience, a lot of playing experience, um, and so he can share some of the battles that he's been in, some of the situations, you know, nothing's a better teacher than experience, and he has that experience. Um, 
and and so that's what he's been sharing in the room, and 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 it goes a long way, and the guys listen to it. Do you ever have to tell Demarius to tone it down at all? In what respect? Uh, talking or just uh, in his John back and forth or anything? I let I let Demarius play. He he he's a high energy guy. I don't want to take that away from him. Um, you know, he he really hasn't talked much this this camp. And when he has talked, you know, it is what it is. This is football. This is, as Ray Lewis liked to say, this is a man's game. And so there's going to be some talking back and forth by the end of the day. As long as we don't get penalties from it and as long as we um, can can pull the right way and keep the defense together, you know, I, I have no issue with that. What uh, what did you see from Whitehead from the time he got here in OTAs and minicamp that, is, that has led you guys to, to give him the opportunities that he's been given and – really continues to hold on to uh, on that back end. That's the thing. He's he's earned everything that he's gotten. And nothing's been given to him because, you know, there's guys here already. There's, um, you know, we drafted guys at the position. He's worked and earned it. And, um, you know, the thing that he's consistently done, he's has more ball production than anybody um, on the back end, you know, in the off season and right now. He, he's, he finds the ball. He gets it because he's a, a, a smart player. He, he's a football player. You know, I, I get a little bit irritated when people talk about height, weight, speed with different guys. Some guys are football players, and, um, and they're good ones, and, he, and he's a good football player. Finally, Coach, and we appreciate the time, what do you want to see from, your, from that back end uh, on Thursday night against Washington? What's your message to those guys? I want to see them play as one unit, you know, play hard, play physical, Make sure we play as one, you know, eliminate vertical throws. We have opportunity to make balls on um, plays on the ball. Make sure we make the plays and uh, and just play as one unit. That's, that's what it's all about. That's what this preseason is about, to see which young players are going to step up and not be afraid of the, the lights. You know, the, you know, it's different when you're on the practice field than when you're in your own stadium. And so I'm excited to see. I, I like the preseason because you, you find out a lot about your team. That's pass game coordinator and secondary coach Joe Witt. Appreciate a few minutes of his time. Is this the first team that we've had in a while where there's a run game coordinator and a pass game coordinator on the defensive side of the ball? I, I was going back. Gribbs, probably more of a question for you. Yeah, not that I remember recently. I mean, it just shows there's – I mean, there, these are some experienced coaches that are on the staff that were deserving of the coordinator title. I think that – Joe Witt doesn't get a lot of attention, but this guy's coached a lot of, in the NFL. And he is, when you watch practice, if, if you've been out to a training camp practice, he is in behind the defensive backs on every play, and he is instructing someone at any point in time after every single snap. I mean, he is out there involved and really kind of taking on the back end of this defense as his own, I mean, which, which is why he should be. It's interesting, too. I saw him today um, at one point. Sheldrick Redwine had played a few plays in a row, and all of a sudden he just shouts, give me a safety, Red, you're out. But then he pulls him right over to him and starts instructing him, but not stopping the flow of practice. Uh, he's definitely an experienced guy who I think has brought a lot to this group so far. Uh, it, their play definitely seems to, to to show that. I mean, he's he's got five, four or five really solid corners, and he's got a really solid group of safeties, I think, top to bottom, including Sheldrick Redwine. So uh, nothing but good things about him so far. Yeah, I, I think all of those guys, and he talks about T.J. Carey be, stepping up and becoming a, kind of a leader in that room. Uh, you know what Terrence Mitchell can do. We've talked about it. We know Denzel Ward's a shutdown corner. 
Greedy Williams continues to make strides. The biggest thing Joe Witt harps on, and it's the same thing that Freddie Kitchens harps on, is we've got to stop having good days and bad days and good days and bad days. We've got to, we have to level out, and we've got to just start putting together consistency. And that seems to be the biggest problem, not with just that room, but for everybody. That's the key to success both in football and in life is consistent performance, right? And that's what they're trying to achieve, and they have a mix of veteran and young talent, and I think if they can get them all in line together, this could be a really special football team. All right, let's take a look. Thursday night, the Washington Redskins come to town. An interesting football team. It'll be the only time we see them here in 2019. Unless, you, uh, you know, Super Bowl. Well, yeah, I mean. Uh, I, I like how you describe them as interesting. Yeah, I don't even know where to begin when looking at that football team because I don't think they know where they're going. Well, they, they've been hindered by a few things. Number one, the injury to Alex Smith last year really threw them off course because they had acquired him and gave him a lot of money thinking he would be the guy for they a few They weren't playing years. bad when he got hurt. No, they were on track to make the playoffs. They were the best team in the NFC East at that time. And uh, that injury really knocked them off course, and they could never really recover. They also dealt with a lot of injuries elsewhere, namely rookie running back Darius Geis, who got knocked out for the season before he even got to play a down. I think he would be, he'll be a big contributor to them. We'll probably see him play uh, in the first preseason game. And we're going to see the stable of quarterbacks they have on that team right now, which includes rookie Dwayne Haskins, who's probably the guy in the future. Uh, for them, and also somebody who's probably going to get some reps in this first game because they need to see what they have in him so far. Man, until I just pulled up this depth chart, I totally forgot the Case Keenum signing. <laughs> yeah, I actually totally I'm, forgot. I'm glad yeah. you pulled that up because I wasn't sure if he was still on the team. I mean, they have four quarterbacks right now. It's Colt McCoy, Case Keenum, Dwayne Haskins, and then Alex Smith with his, with his leg issue. And they also is there a fifth on that? Uh, Josh Woodrum is the fourth. Yeah. Former Brown. So obviously Alex isn't playing. He just got out of that brace not too long ago. Correct. He's not going to play this and it, year. It doesn't look like we're going to see Darius Geis, the, the running back on uh, on Thursday. He's got a hamstring issue. I mean, he's someone to me that ultimately, as the season goes on, this is someone that was supposed to be a first-round special running back that fell in the draft because he rubbed some people the wrong way, I yeah. think, during the process. But that's why it's interesting. I mean, Adrian Peterson looked all right last year, but it looked like he ran out of gas by the end of the season. Geis should be the guy that takes over for this team. I just don't know. This would be probably, if it weren't for the Giants, I would be picking this team to be the, the last place team in the NFC East. But I think they'll be fine. They'll be the, the Redskins never seem to get too high or too low. Six I, wins. Yeah, I could see them being six and ten. Yeah, yeah. So I could see them being like that this year. They were they were heading in a good direction with Alex Smith last year until that injury. They were doing yeah. all right. They were they were playing winning football. I I don't even know what they bring to the table defensively. I mean, that's they've had a lot of turnover there. Yeah, that, a, lot, it, a lot of Alabama players and some. Uh, they've got a couple standout players. I think they've got you know they've got Landon Collins and Josh Norman correct. in their secondary. That alone gives you one of the better secondaries in the league, having two players of that caliber. So they're going to be all right there. But just a lot of their their defensive line is Alabama, Jonathan Allen, Alabama, Deron Payne. They've got their middle linebacker, Sean Deion Hamilton's from Alabama. I mean, they've loaded up on SEC guys, and they got Montez Sweat in the draft this year, which was viewed as kind of a steal Definitely. Uh, when they got him. So they've got a, a lot of young talent uh, Couple mixed of guys. in with some, some star players. Yeah. So I think if you're looking at this team just on paper, their strength is on defense. But I just don't know where that's going to take him because we've I've seen a lot of quarterback depth charts in my time with the Browns that looked like this, I and mean, that's <laughs> where there's just a lot of and that equates mixed, to about a three. Uh, yeah, and, and it's a team. mixed bag, and when you, it's one of those that you just don't feel good about. No matter how many good players you have at all the other positions, you look at that quarterback depth chart and you're like, 
I can't I can't pick this team to go to the playoffs. Like you just can't when you see that at at, at quarterback. I'm also curious to see who they actually do play at running back if if guys can't go because of a hamstring, you know, because Adrian Peterson was their guy last year out of necessity. They signed him after you know experiencing all these injuries, and he had a really nice bounce back season and kind of a renaissance, very unexpected. But he's not going to play in a preseason game. He's a, he's a veteran who's definitely on the back end of his career. And then you know who is it? Chris Thompson or you know how far down the depth chart are we going to go? Samaj P. Ryan. I mean, we're just going to continue going down this. So it's going to be interesting. They're pretty thin at that position to see who they play there. But again, it's a preseason game, so you know, you're kind of going to a little bit of the unknown because you don't know who's going to play. Just oh. ran, a random Browns preseason game memory. The last time the Browns faced an Adrian Peterson team in the preseason, it was when the Saints came here for the preseason. So since Peterson didn't play, they used Alvin Kamara a lot in his first ever That's preseason right. game, and I was like, oh. This guy's good. Yeah, like this guy. He was like going at a different speed than everyone yep. else, and turns out he was he's pretty good. Uh, that was at a time where we necessarily weren't at our best. Yeah, no, to say the least. Also, the last time the Redskins played the Browns in the preseason was that the last year of Robert Griffin the third in Washington. I think it was. Oh, when the Browns played the Redskins? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. RG three started that game and he got hurt. Yeah. Yeah. You know what? Got a great story about that. You want to know what happened? We got we stayed in Annapolis, if I remember correctly. Are we talking about was the it? no? No, this, this is, is a home, home game. Oh, we played. Okay, we played the Redskins played them in 2014 in Annapolis. Yeah, or we That's stayed regular in Annapolis. season. Yeah, we got down there ten minutes early to get the bus. We're on the first bus. Bus had already left. Someone had told the bus driver everybody was on the bus. We get left behind. I end up taking a hundred twenty-five dollar cab ride. <laughs> <laughs> to the stadium. This is like early infant stage of Uber, right? Yeah. yeah oh, so. yeah. Uber did not. Uber did not exist. Cab can only go so far. Security stops them. We now have to walk a mile and a half to the stadium, and it's a hundred and five degrees. And it's out. in Landover, which is an unincorporated part of Maryland. Yeah. Number one, I could not be happier that we're not going to that stadium because I hate that stadium. No, it's near nothing. No, a- and the owner took over the radio. Row and radio rooms. Did you know that? On the media level, he made them his private suite. Oh, wow. So the radio is underneath an overhang on a corner. And far, like, you cannot see anything. It is miserable. Could not have been happier that this game is here Thursday night. Now, the last time we did play the Redskins was when the the Malcolm Johnson fumble on his first ever carry since high school. Then the Duke Johnson phantom fumble derailed uh your shot at uh a w week four of a season where you didn't get your first win until week 16 yeah i do remember that uh all right enough reminiscing what are your biggest i need a big key from you guys what do you want to see from this team thursday night don't get hurt that's all i care Ah, that was what i was gonna say all right if if we're not gonna go with the health thing which is i think the most important all these weeks put together a solid half a quarter put together a nice drive or two whoever's playing quarterback probably not baker mayfield garrett gilbert true stanton show me something everybody else who is going to be playing show me something string it together like they said they want consistency right well let's string together a good drive or two before you retire for the night and go back to camp let's just get a little bit of positive momentum going into the end of the week no penalties on special teams make your field goals that's another one make your field goals yeah is there anybody Whose stock is up going into this game, and who needs to step up? Who needs to have a good night Thursday night? Needs a good night on Thursday night. I would go with one of the kickers, either one of them. 
They both both are lumped into my step up. Whoever's out there, make your kicks. This, this is these kicks in this kind of competition. They're going to matter more. Uh, they're more pressure filled than any of the kicks you've attempted so far in the preseason. So both Greg Joseph and Austin Seibert. I know Austin Seibert had a good day of practice today. Keep it going. So that that would be my step up. And clearly the stock up guys. You could lump in Jalen Strong, Derek Willies, Mac Wilson on defense. Those guys have had good practices lately. And another one we haven't talked about, but he's gotten a lot of playing time since there's been injuries, is Deverell Lawrence. Defensive lineman's made a lot of plays on the defensive line. He might actually start this game because the entire defensive line is out. <laughs> sure, it looks so, like. I mean, he's another one that is fighting for one of those last <laughs> couple of roster spots uh, at that defensive tackle. Position. I would put Javon Coley in that group, even though he's got a better chance, I think, of making this roster, but also somebody who could take advantage of some additional playing time if those guys do not play. But my step up is probably going to be Austin Corbett, uh, no matter what role he's playing, whether it's going to be as a right guard or as a center. He's seen both, obviously, uh, throughout this camp. And He'll get a shot to play both, I'd imagine, in this preseason game. You know, it's hard to judge guys, but I want consistency. I want reliability out of him. And maybe he opens a nice hole or two for a big game. That would help him a lot in this battle for right guard. And stock up is Jalen Strong. I, I, I think he's going to get a chance to run with the ones a lot or whatever you would consider the to ones, be the ones, yeah. you know, the ones featuring Drew Stanton uh, because <laughs> – we're not going to see Odell and probably not Jarvis either because it doesn't make any sense to play them in this game. And I think Jalen would have a heck of an opportunity to find himself on an NFL roster again if he can seize these opportunities in the next couple weeks. All right. That's going to wrap up today's edition of the best podcast available. We are off tomorrow because there's no camp. Thursday is a game day. We are back with you Friday, a Friday afternoon practice at about 2.45. It'll wrap up around 5 o'clock. And uh, we'll get something out later in the evening on Friday. We'll talk to you then. For Andrew Gribble, for Nick Shook, I'm Jason Gibbs. Make sure you log on to clevelandbrowns.com or wherever you get your podcasts. This has been the best podcast available.